podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With me, Russell Guyver, and my co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. And we have with us a welcome back to Mr. Emilio. I'm looking at you, are trying to see your surname, actually. Is it Nello? Dinello, yeah, Dinello. Dinello, that's it. Emilio Dinello, who is our resident football fan guest contributor, um, who we've had on a couple of times in the past. And of course, we're delighted to welcome him back, seeing as Fulham are back up in the Premier League this season and starting steadily as well, I might add. Welcome back, Emilio. Hi there, Russ. Hi, Peter. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's... uh... Hopefully this won't be a you know once every two year event. Hopefully we can we can do these shows every season and we can both stay in the Premier League. It feels like if you and Norwich keep coming up, eventually one of you's got to stay up at some point, haven't you? It's just law of averages, isn't it? We've got to stay down. Hopefully it won't be that if it's you guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean it's, it's great. It's good to have you on and. Um, also, you're, you're the nearest voice that we can get to Tony Bloom. You sound very similar to him, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Um, so anyone listening, it's not Tony Bloom in disguise. It definitely is Emilio. It is me. There's only one of me around the world. <laughs> oh, you as rich as Tony Bloom, if you are. <laughs> well, I'm some money. No, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's great, great to have you with us. What we're going to do in part one is we're going to review the weekend's games so we could ch- chat about the Albion's match with Leeds, a glorious victory over Peter's favourite second team or everyone's favorite second team according to martin kewen on football focus once and we can also talk about the fulham match as well and your your game which was a close encounter um unfortunately no no cigar in the end but um a a team that's really on fire at the moment aren't they to be honest so um we'll come on to that in a moment um I wasn't actually able to get to the game. Uh, I have seen the extended highlights from Sky. Um, but, Peter, you were at the match. So let's start with you. What was your take on the game overall? Um, I, I would say that the first takeout is that Dirty Leeds lived up to their reputation. <laughs> Literally from the first minute, they were sticking the boots in, like kind of like late challenges, trying to like, yeah, just disrupt play and moaning at the referees and constantly giving free kicks, which were constantly given because they kept fouling. They should have arguably had about... They had three bookings in the first half. They should have had five, I think, probably. Um, yeah. They are, and, then, and Jesse Marsh's antics on the side as well. If you can't spell your surname right, then, you know, what can you expect to do your... Uh... <laughs> I knew you were going to get that one in. Yes, you have the right spelling, don't you, Peter? Yeah. As, a, as someone called it, the angry Ted Lasso, which I, I thought was quite appropriate. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that probably fits the bill. He was certainly animated on the touchline, even in the bits I saw. And Yeah, he was... Um... He got himself booked in the end. He he was at every single free kick or, th- or throw on given. He was like complaining about it. And mm. yeah, just, just not just, yeah, living up to. You can see why Leeds fans are starting to warm to him. He's becoming like more like Don Referee every day, probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the Sky co commentator, I didn't catch who it was, um, seemed to be alluding to the fact that Webster, who then fouled uh, one of their players fairly late in the game, um, potentially it could have been a red, um, he thought, which I completely disagree with. A standard yellow, exactly. The fact you don't know what I'm talking about tells you. No, I, I remember the one he got booked for, but uh, yeah, well, I don't yeah. understand how yeah. that could have it's, possibly it's been a red. You seem to be alluding that it might have been a might have been more serious than, say, Jesse Marsh getting booked for throwing the ball aggressively on the pitch, which seems to be a perfectly um, acceptable yellow card all round, really. But. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it seemed we dominated. We had the the same issues that we've had recently and indeed last season, particularly at home, um, of not being able to uh, hit the net enough. 
Um, and yeah, we seemingly had a flurry of chances. The classic one I've got to mention first really is Solly March, a beautiful through ball um, from a kind of like a, it was, it's just popped it straight off, didn't he? As soon as he received it, he kind of the volley. straight straight in for Solly to go one-on-one onside, um, nailed on what was going to happen. <laughs> Not a goal yet. Uh, unfortunately, it's his finish, finishing product, isn't it? It's always the issue. Um, and once again, it was proved to be the case. Yeah, I mean, well, he's not—he's not, he's not alone there. Um, True, yeah, but he, we've, yeah, we've—we've we've obviously we know we have a problems. So we hopefully, hopefully by the end of Thursday, we'll at least have someone else, another option up there to. to but we're not really creating chances for Welbeck at the moment. It's mainly going to the midfield. Trossard had an off day, whereas he's been quite quite good in front of goal recently. The last like either either end of last season, beginning of this, but he had a bit of a yeah, it didn't quite work on his left foot and. Webster should have scored early on from a header. Yeah, Grosh should have done more probably from the Supernals cross as well. And yeah, in the end, it was actually a really good finish from Grosh for the goal. Hmm. But um, but yeah, we, we had many, a number of better chances than that, which we didn't take. And a better team would have made us pay for that. And we, you know, we did pay against Newcastle for similar profligacy in front of goals. We didn't, we didn't get what, the three points there. We only got points. So yeah. we can't keep doing this. It seems that Leeds have improved a little bit. I mean, certainly the result of the previous week in beating Chelsea so comfortably, uh, you know, shows there's in a way they've kind of done what we've done. They've lost perceptively the best two players from their team and started better this season than yeah. people predicted. I think um, in, his, in his pre-match interview, Jesse March was saying they wanted more of the same with the Chelsea thing, which was a very high press, really intense they just didn't give them any breathing space for long enough to do all the damage in the match. Uh, Chelsea not taking their chances as well being another factor. Um, it seemed in his post-match interviews, uh, the ones I've seen, that he um, he felt that his verdict on the game was that essentially Leeds weren't able to do that again. They weren't able to replicate that to effective degrees. Um, and in the end, obviously, we did finally take chances where Chelsea hadn't done in that opening part of their game against. Um, so, and we didn't um, give them goals as well, which is what Chelsea did effectively as well. Yes, the Mendy goal. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, just... I mean, that's the problem. At least if you keep it nil-nil, you only need one chance then, which is not giving away goals. You've got to get, obviously, that's obviously you've got to get two or three or whatever, you know. So, yeah, we've been very solid so far this season defensively. Um, Emilio, I think, I mean, obviously you'll be a great fan of Chelsea, I'm sure, being a <laughs> Fulham fan. <laughs> um, so you must have quite enjoyed that last week when they uh, uh, they got absolutely hammered at Leeds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I actually don't have really much against Chelsea, to be honest. I think they've always been like our gentle rivals, I think, to be honest. We've, we've got more of, an, more of a rivalry with, with Brentford or Queen's Park Rangers over the year than Chelsea. And to be honest, it's you know I've always want to see West London teams do well, admittedly, and if, if obviously outside of Brentford and QPR, of course. But if Chelsea are in a higher division than we are, then you know I'd like them for the sake of our local community to to be successful. Okay. I don't have anything against them, to be honest, but they're going to be a bit up and down. I think I think we're going to see a bit of a yo-yo division this year. I think the top, I think the teams will beat each other quite you know often. You can beat Man United one week, and then Man United can thrash you the next. It's going to be that type of season, mm-hmm. I think it's probably a more entertaining Premier League coming in this time compared to two years ago. That's my observation. I think there's going to be more open games. Brand of football has changed from what I've seen. You know, Chelsea can, like you said, they can lose to Leeds United 1-0, but probably can go a cable of beating Liverpool the next. And that's that inconsistency. I think we're going to see a lot of that this season. You know, Man City, on balance, look like the team who've got the most consistency. And Liverpool, no doubt, have, you know, 
put a warning out there on sun, on Saturday that they're, they're not to be forgotten either. So I think it's got, for a neutral, it's going to be a good good season. But I think there's going to be a lot more closer matches. You know, teams beating each other. There's no certainty that you're going to win a game. I think every game is going to be in separate. You know, so it's just because you're on form, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the next game. So I think it's going to be a very good season for the neutral. Maybe not not necessarily for fans like ourselves who you know, comment on the next. We don't know how how our teams are going to perform. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Peter, would you agree as well? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that last season, and anyway, uh, from our point of view, we, we had an 11-game run without winning and a six-game mm. losing run, and then won, you know, four out of the first five and won six out of the last nine, I think it was, in the end. And, you know, so, yeah, we we were very inconsistent last year, very up and down, and, yeah, there was no real logic to it. We came out of drawing six, losing six in a row and drawing <laughs> to Norwich to then win at Arsenal and Tottenham. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it was a very odd season from our point of view, and yeah, I think this season could well be the same. I think it's mm. yeah, I think there's better players. I mean, there's a lot of you know what I would call like seven to fourteen teams spending big on players. West Ham are buying um, Picato, for his name is, and of course um, the Skaraskamaka as well for quite mm. big money. Newcastle obviously have spent quite a bit on uh, Alexander Isaac, and um, uh, there's like one or two others who spent big as well. Villa have, although it's not helped them so far, so. It's it's a, an interesting middle mid table mm. could be a very interesting thing, and of course Forest are the Forest, yeah. loose cannon with all their basically signing a whole new squad pretty much. I was yeah. just going to say they've they've hardly done anything, have they, in the transfer window? <laughs> <laughs> was it eighteen players or something mad like that? Right. They're still. Uh, going I know it's only one game at the, uh, the weekend, but I, I fear for Bournemouth. I think they might be the real the, the one week one who drop off. Yeah. I don't think they particularly strengthen it, or if no. or even weaker than when they went down last time. And I think they yeah they. You saw at the weekend how you know poor they were right at the back, and mm-hmm. I mean, one I know losing to Liverpool getting stuff there isn't necessarily a sign you'll go down, but generally I'll, I fear for them as a whole. I think they might be a bit adrift, and then everyone else is much more kind of mm-hmm. you know close together. Yeah, I think um, what um, Amelia was saying actually about Chelsea, the up and down element. I do think they might struggle a bit. Tuchel's a good manager; they have got some good players. They are still signing, by the looks of it, some good players as things go on. But looking at the top four, I, I can't help but think that Liverpool are going to get into their stride now. Yeah. Um, not just because of the weekend's 9-0, the latest 9-0, would you believe mm-hmm. another one? But um, but also for the fact that um, you know, they're just too too good a team not to, and they've, got, they've had injuries, people will come back. We all know about City. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be in the top two somewhere. And beyond that, I think Arsenal have shown signs of improving um, in the run-up to this season. And um, they've started brilliantly, of course. So, yeah, 100% record yeah. is pretty impressive over the first four games. Um, and I can't see them dropping too far off um, how they've started. I'm, I don't think they'll challenge for the title, but I do think they'll be top four. And I think Tottenham probably will be. So that it's mm-hmm. going to be a real challenge for Chelsea to get in that top four. You know, obviously, four a little bit with Brighton going for the title as well. Um, you look at the four you've mentioned, What they, they all have something that Chelsea don't, which is a goal scorer. You yeah. wonder which yeah. else is where the goals are going to come from. You know, I mean, Havertz doesn't score that many and they don't really have what I call barring Broya, who they don't want to play. They don't really have a striker and they're not really, except for Aubameyang being linked with one as well, whereas obviously you've got Kane at Tottenham. Jesus seems to have started off well at Arsenal. You know, and obviously Haaland now at City and um, Liverpool have obviously got various ones, especially Salah and Nunes. So you wonder, yeah, you look at Chelsea and you wonder where the goals are going to come from. Yeah, they're not far off, of course. But. No, no. Well, I see Chelsea, obviously, they're building depth. Arsenal, we'll talk about the Arsenal Fulham game in a mo- later on this show. But, mm. you know, I was saying to some of the Arsenal fans before this, the game that I think Arsenal would lack depth. You know, I think, you know, get a couple injuries, you know, where's their depth? I, 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 
I think Arsenal started well, but you know, I think I think they'll tail off unless they start to buy more depth, more squad players. Then I think they, I think they made that fourth top four is not guaranteed for them as well. I think Tottenham, I think look overall more rounded and got yeah. more depth. You know, like I said, Liverpool are coming into their stride. They'll be up there or thereabouts. You know, you're getting yourselves. If you get a cup, you get more depth. You can fight for that European places. For me, I worry about when, as a Brighton fan, is where are the goals coming from? You know, things yeah, don't. No, I, I agree. The field. It's, it's the same old problem. And now you've let Mope go, and I'm glad he hasn't come to Fulham. I think he would have added depth to our team. But for me, it's Chris Strike rate. I was saying to you, offline last week, Russ, he doesn't score in, doesn't create or doesn't score enough goals, but he has moments of brilliance and then does very, very, you know, his, his, his scoring rate is, is poor to be honest. Yeah. The amount of chances you create for him. So yeah, he's, he's good with instinctive goals sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He does miss too many chances. And that's certainly the, the one criticism that mm. any Brighton fans have of him is that really yeah, his work mm. rate's fine. I think yeah, people enjoy the shithousery. They don't mind that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he seems a good guy and everything, but it is just about that, the finishing rate in the end. And mm. I think we weren't too fussed to lose him, which is the reason why you're probably right to say, if you need a, a striker to make a difference, he's maybe not going to be that. Yeah. He could be, he could flesh out your squad. He could be a useful addition, which is what we would have had him as. Mm-hmm. And we would have been happy to keep him, but he wouldn't have been happy and could have ended up being, I, I am, I'm guessing this is conjecture, but I, I'm suspecting he wouldn't be a, a happy bunny on the bench and he might have started to disrupt mm-hmm. if we kept him on. He also was out of contract into the season and we were going to lose him for nothing as compared to getting 15 million quid, which is actually a pretty decent deal. Yeah. add ons. You know, for I, my my I, one thing I would say is yes, his work rate on the whole is good, but he does lose kind of he does lose like faith a bit if he is having a bad game. He 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 lets his head drop quite easily. Okay. If he start if he does miss one or two chances, his head might drop. And I'm thinking of one or two games where he's just looked a bit like he, it's not like he's stopped working, but he just doesn't his hearts in it after a few misses. Norwich home and Leeds home last year were both two examples where. He we missed he missed an absolute ton of chances and in both of those, including a massive penalty miss against Norwich, and that that was the last game he started for us, I think, in the league. The flip side, you're right, but the flip side is, of course, he scores crucial goals. He yeah. does have a habit of doing that. He scored a, a vital goal against our arch rivals, Palace. He scored a, a, a crucial equaliser to keep our ongoing run against West Ham going at the time, mm-hmm. which we've since extended um, with a, with a, a with an overhead kick there, which was brilliant. Um, and he scored other crucial goals. So Lampton as well. Yeah. And all in a similar kind of time frame. Actually. He also, in the last game he played for us, he came in against West Ham at half-time where we were one down, and Bissouma mm. hadn't looked himself up until the first half, so he came off and yeah. actually changed the game. He was a big part of our win second half. Yeah. I, I'd have, if I, I happily kept him, but I think my worry was, as Russ was saying, that I think he would have probably not been that happy as mm. a choice, so he wouldn't have actually had that good an option off the bench. He's very rarely come on as a sub other than that West Ham game and, and influenced the game. I was going to say, I don't see him as being that impact player who's going to come and make uh, him he's, he's not. He's, which is what he would have been this season. Yeah, exactly. I think we know. We, can I see him leading the forward line if Mitrovic picks us up an injury or something? I'm not too sure. Again, he could hold the ball up quite well, but he's quite intelligent. But at the end of the day, no disrespect, you know, in Premier League, you need to score goals to win games. And if you don't score those goals, the best you can hope for is a draw if you keep it tight at the back. So, you know, I want someone who's more confident in front of goal and who's, who's got better strike rate. Strike rate. Yes, it's yeah, really. But I'd say it's a sign of how far Everton have dropped without being unkind to them <laughs> yeah. that they have. You know, I mean, they, 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 you know, the idea of even a year or two ago that Everton would take on our third choice striker as mm. as, as a signing to replace Richarlison was 
would have been ridiculous. And I mean, I say, it shows how far we come, doesn't it? Yeah, and how mm. far they've dropped in a way. I mean, in mm. a sense, I mean, he is in a, in a way either going to be like alongside Calvert Lewin or replay or kind of back up for him. But on the other hand, with Calvert Lewin's injury record the last year and a bit, it's not mm. great. So mm-hmm. you wonder how many games he's going to get. In which case, it's between Rondon and Mope up front, which yeah. really aren't great options. Right. And the other thing, of course, so, I mean, there is he's an ex-Brentford, so there's another reason not to want exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> well, who knows if Tony's going to go? You know, there's still this, you know, there's strong links that he could go to a, a Chelsea, for example. Chelsea, you said yeah. the point, uh, Peter, that, you know, Chelsea haven't got a natural goal scorer. You know, if they come in with a massive mil- you know, millions to Brentford, are they going to turn that down? Probably not, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're shrewd operators. They might be able to absorb that blow if they if it came mm. you know, losing a player like him uh he is i think he is very um paramount in what they do and how they operate um, not a dissimilar system to how we play actually at the moment but um yeah it, it could be a challenge this is the problem i, I really have an issue actually with this transfer window yeah. uh, after the season starts i, I think yeah. more now than ever i've started to to get really annoyed with it. i've looked at a couple of players not nothing to do with us just up and down the leagues, there's a guy, um, uh, Thomas Asante at Salford, doing really well. I think he scored four or five goals in his first three or four games, and you know, suddenly seven clubs are after him. And you think it can't be good for football if a club's got this guy who's come in fairly recently, as far as I'm aware. And you know, they should be able to hit the ground running and have the benefit of that player at least until January of their first season. Um, and up and down the, the country, you know, for, for teams like Brantford, like Brighton, Fulham, um, you know, we want to know we've got a settled squad. Potter keeps having to answer questions about Caicedo. There's no way we're selling Caicedo in this window, he's only played a dozen games for us or so. Um, and yet, it seems to be now that we're seen as a team that picks some really good players, develops them, and eventually we'll sell them. That seems to have escalated into, mm. well, we can, we can just, vultures can just come in and pick them off as and when now. No, we're only going to do that in a systematic way, certain number per year. Kukureya wasn't anticipated this season to go. So to have, to have him go, uh, to make a contingency plan and then have another key player go at this stage, no way, that's just not going to happen. I, I, think the, I think the big problem, I agree with you about transfer window, the issue was when we were doing it, no one else was. So hmm. around Europe, no other league was doing that, which meant that the Premier League was just having players picked off by, by clubs in Europe and European leagues and couldn't replace them. So yeah. it's kind of, it, it made it very difficult. To, Again, to the bigger it. picture issue is, is the problem there, isn't it? It needs to be coordinated so that... Yeah. Um... No, I, and I agree, and I think it would be a good thing if they could actually get every league to do it. But of course, every league starts differently as well. The European leagues start later than ours. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would say in a way, do it at the end of July. You know, yeah. you've got two, three, two months to sign, or three months really, by the time that, you know, if depending on if the season finishes to sign players, you should be able to sign players by the end of July, you know. And if that becomes, it doesn't really matter when deadline day is because well, then teams will adapt to when deadline day is. Yeah. Like, exactly. It used to be a different system where you'd have um, a March deadline and that was it. Yeah, uh, and that, that was a crazy system. I didn't like that because obviously, you know, you're coming towards the climax of the season, and people can start interfering with your squads. You could you could blatantly affect them in a way other yeah. than on the pitch at a key moment in the season. So I'm, I'm glad they got rid of that system, um, but it did dissipate the whole transfer window pressure on signing by a certain date thing. Um, so if they could just have a, a, a window that is simply you know, if it can be coordinated across Europe, this is the issue, of course, it's going to be impossible to get that to happen, but that's the way it should be. But it's yeah. just bloody annoying, I have to say. 
Um, yeah, more I, important I think, than ever before. It's all about depth, isn't it? With this five substitute rule, you know. So, exactly, yeah. You know, you've you've you know we've we've made a few signings, and one or two players will end up going. The more signings we get this week, the more likely we'll let more fringe players go out on loan. But same with yourself, you've sold a few players, you've let a few people go out on loan. But how how depth? How much depth have you got in your squad there? To be honest, if things go wrong, winter injuries, suspensions, and all that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a balance between that. having too many players and ending up with, with like you know, players who are unhappy because they don't, they're not getting a chance mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. You're yeah. saying about, for example, about Chelsea. I, I literally wouldn't be surprised any player they sign this week. They've been linked with most of football this summer. <laughs> I, I, you know, I kind of, I can't believe they're not going to sign a striker. And I mean, yeah, Tony's as good an option as anyone from their point of view. I mean, except the fact that he's, he's from the UK, which. Doesn't, they don't tend to go for players like that generally. No, no. They're, but, they're uh, isolated, fellow Londoner Tammy Abraham should never have been let go in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, it's just all coordinated a series of loans up to whatever point. Yeah, and needed. then £100 million pounds they spent on Lukaku, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> but clubs like Brentford and Brighton um, are shrewd operators, really good recruitment models, really good um, yeah. systems mm-hmm. of operation throughout the club, and obviously good coaches as well. And we do that thing which the bigger clubs won't do, which is take a chance and that's interim standard or, or development stage players. Um, the thing that Rory Smith, the journalist, is called risk premiums uh, is what they will pay uh, to let us do the do yeah. the dirty work, so to speak, or, or the pleasurable work in our case, mm. uh, you know, getting some good players, seeing the best of them. Um, they won't do that risk element. And it, to the extreme where they'll let someone like Tammy Abraham Go out. Uh, they'll they'll yeah. probably, if he gets better and better, they'll probably sign him for 100 million in two <laughs> years' time. It's that's what Chelsea do, isn't it? Well, Gway at um, at uh, Palace as well. They're kind of yeah. they obviously let go and Lamptey for us. And although to be fair, Reese James probably wasn't going to be above Lamptey in the order anyway. But they're yeah, it's, and mm. it, and it's you look at them and like as a stupid, a stupid, or however you pronounce it. To me, isn't much of a risk. He, he was played in the Champions League semi-final both legs last year, That's and he true. was costing fifteen million pounds. Why yeah. does City not go in for him? He's twenty-four. He's like, you know, he probably would fit quite well in Guardiola's system or whatever. You know, I don't understand. Just because it feels like just because they don't cost like you know forty million quid that they just won't go for these players. I think it's just a solid good deal, isn't it? Actually, and it, it looks yeah. plain, plainly obvious that might have been a good one. The, the, the issue with that may have been the fact that City like to keep the ball forever. He did get the ball away a little bit in the Leeds game. We were just steering it back to the, to the Leeds match. That was one issue that went on, yeah. as, I think, later in the game, wasn't it, as he tired a bit. Um, tied in with which... Teams unlikely to press City as much as they pre- Leeds tried to press us at the weekend. That's also true, yeah. That is true. What Emilio said as well earlier about, um, you know, getting enough goals from strikers. And what we have done is we've started to score more goals from midfield. Yeah. Pascal Grosch got both goals against Man U and obviously the goal at the weekend. Um, we've had other goals coming from midfield. McAllister, albeit that was a, a penalty. Oh, well, he scored an own goal as well, so he's got two goals already. <laughs> um, and we've had uh, Trossard, who's kind of not a striker striker, but he's a, a forward, uh, a roving forward of... That's wing-back. ...descriptions of wing-back. <laughs> well, he's swapped back into... Yeah. ...by the time he scored, didn't he, at West Ham. But, and we're getting goals from different areas of the pitch, which is a good sign. Casado looks like he gets a lot of his shots on target. He hasn't really done anything in that regard this season yet, but he, he did in the early games at the end of last season, uh, his early games, I mean, at the end of last season. Um, I think we are going to get more from midfield, and I think we needed more from midfield. And I guess it's going to be the same um, with um, with the Brentfords, with the Fulhams, those, those kind of clubs. Um, you guys obviously have a very potent striker mm. who has, uh, in, in, in Mitrovic, obviously we'll talk about your game in a moment, but um, 
he hit the ground running with a couple of goals as well on the opening day, same as same yeah. as Arnold and Pascal. Um, he, last time round, I think he'd, he'd score a lot of goals. Everyone thought there were big things from him. He, back in the Premier League, see how he does. And he didn't quite hit it, did he? He dropped back down and he scored. Well, it's a, it's a, a championship or second-tier level record, I believe, wasn't it? Was yeah, it absolutely. Four the odd goals. And you know, yeah. to be honest, in this cu- couple of years ago, you know, his confidence wasn't particularly great. I think Scott Parker didn't give him much love. You know, he went through you know some disappointing moment with Serbia as well. I think when he missed an important goal for you know for World Cup qualification, but Parker didn't play him to be honest, so he didn't see him part of his plans. You know, Scott Parker plays a certain brand of football. You know, it wasn't to everyone's liking, it wasn't to my liking, and uh, you know, Mitrovic wasn't given a sniff. So yeah. the fact he only scored, I think, three goals two years ago, I don't think there's a reflection on him not not delivering the Premier League because Parker didn't think he he fitted his style of football and brand of football and. To be honest, the fact that he scored more goals in four games this season than he did in the whole season two years ago is testament to the confidence levels that he's got. You know, he's got a good manager, better manager. We play a brand of football that suits his style. You know, he's creating, he's working harder, he's defending, he's scoring, he's causing defences problems. And, you know, if he can keep injury free and keep away from suspensions, then, you know, then we've potentially got a much more better chance of staying in this division this year. I think he, his work rate is is awesome at the moment. And that was last even last season with, with his 40-odd goals, he would still come back and track an defence when he had no right to do that. So clearly, you know, he's, play, he's playing in a system that he's, he's comfortable with. He's got a manager who loves him and he's getting the respect that he needs. And he's that type of player. You know, it's when his confidence is shot to pieces, you know, he starts to throw his toys out the pram, his hands go all over in the air, he, keeps, he causes a bit of a bit of a stir and a nuisance but now you know he's you know he's got his moments but ultimately he's yeah. the way he took that goal against Arsenal on Saturday you know two years ago no he wouldn't have got be nowhere near that ball the fact mm-hmm. that he's, he's more belief there in his, in his inability and he's still what 27 years of age so he's still got a few more seasons ahead of him to be honest. Yeah. I think the way of the, the playing having having that focal point that target yeah. man but also having as, as I said about having the midfielders and players mm-hmm. that can Pick up those pockets of space. Tom Candy just to the right of centre tends to. I noticed um, that game actually um, was it the weekend game or it might have been the previous week actually where there was a number of times he was looking to get the ball and actually didn't get it as much as he should have done. Yeah, and that area, prime area where he likes to score from, yeah, exactly. twenty five yards or whatever. Um, that that's what clubs outside of the big big two or three, four, five clubs mm. need to do. I think is to get those goals from midfield, and I think yeah. obviously we're, we're doing it. You guys. I think we'll need to do that as well. But Mitrovic working in that system is likely to get more goals than, say, as just an out-and-out strike pairing um, of two just, just standard forwards. Because I think it's just too easy to defend against nowadays. Exactly. For- and it's just his strength. You know, he does cause defense. You know, it will cause defensive problems. Yeah. That's why, you know, we do get a lot of free kicks or penalties because just because he's a nuisance yeah. and he's a threat in that area. But, you know, we've got a couple of injuries at the moment in, in our attacking wide plays. And that's a bit of a problem at the moment. But if we can get another couple of signings this week and get those players back from injury, then that depth will start to look a little bit more tasty. I think we've got more, we will have more cover for one another. We will create chances. It's, it's whether we can keep goals at the back. That's going to be the key thing for me. It's, uh, but we will, we will score more goals. We'll be a more exciting brand of football. And like you said, Russ, the brand of football this year is different than what it was two years ago. So we are targeting Mitrovic. We're not trying to play the ball out of defence because we're going to get caught out. You know, mm. just play it long, play it to your target man, invite those midfielders to come in, get Join them. Him. You know, yeah. Pereira's come in has actually had, had a good start to the season. He could be very spectacular. He could be unspectacular at times. He's a bit like Marmite, but overall, if he can keep his head down and do the right things, then 
he's going to get a lot of assists. And if he adds some goals to his tally, then, you know, then we've got an opportunity to see. But our season will be defined against teams like yourself, Leeds, Villa, not Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool. So it's that's a key thing. Survival is the name of the game this year, and then we can push on hopefully next year. In fairness, yeah. someone like Pereira, I mean, if he was consistent, he wouldn't be playing for you or a team like us yeah. as well. You yeah. know, so people say Trossard had bad games. It's like, well, if Trossard played like he can every game, he wouldn't be playing for Brighton. He'd be yeah. playing for someone a lot higher up. And he may end up still going to someone higher up as he gets more consistent. But at the moment, he's, you know, he's about probably just about our level as we're pushing into being a top half team, hopefully. Yeah. You know, I don't think he was at his best with him on the weekend. There's a couple of times he cut back in. Yeah. Maybe it's just not that, I wouldn't say a lack of confidence, but I think just that slight hesitation element that just just drags him back down to sort of having to play another pass rather than getting a shot off. Took a brilliant, took his goal brilliantly at West Ham on the other side, you know, on his right yeah. foot. So it's yeah. obviously a... But he yeah, also did at Spurs away last season, and that was from a similar position yeah. to at least one of those mm. chances that he had. And I do think that's that's the difference, isn't it? That that extra little element. But we are getting the goals from different areas. We mentioned Pascal Cross; he got the goal uh, that settled the game at the weekend for us. Um, I haven't seen it mentioned. I haven't actually looked at match of the day's highlights, so I don't know if they picked it up. Apologies if, to them if they have. But um, I noticed from the watching the, the game back, it was a thirteen pass move. Uh, culminating from an attack they had. We intercepted it. Uh, it was a 13-pass move that went all over the pitch and ended with, um, with obviously, Pascal just brushing it into the, into the far corner um, for, the, for the winner. Um, beautifully worked move. I think we, we just kept the opposition there, Leeds, um, just struggling to, to keep up with what we were doing because we were spreading it around a lot. Estupinian was involved in the move as well, which is good to see. He clipped the ball forward, and I think it went to... Who was wide on the left, um, and then it came back into Trossard, and Trossard got the assist. I think Welbeck controlled it and then laid it into Casado, oh, yeah. then into yeah. and then across to Trossard, and then and then Grosh. It's a beautifully worked move, and it, suddenly it all seems so simple and easy, doesn't it? When it goes right, you think, "Oh, why don't we do this sooner?" You know, we open them up, and uh, football's a simple game, and all the other cliches. It can be when you play it that well, but it, it was a really yeah. good goal. Um, how was it live in the stadium, Peter? I'm jealous I missed out on this. Yeah, it was It was obviously a, a relief at that point. A lot of, and also then suddenly, like, was it offside? Because they had a quick check for offside. And I had wondered in the build up to the move, and it was relatively tight. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good finish. I thought for a minute him and Solly were both going to go for it. They were kind of both running in to do it. And I was like, obviously, then I think Solly just backed away, and it kind of fell nicely for him. So it was a nice ball across to Trossard and then a nice ball across from him, having pulled two men over to give him to give Cross the space and a really, really nice finish around to the corner. So I don't think it, I think he would have got it otherwise. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was it was one of those afternoons that promised to be another frustrating one after. And it, yeah. I think it was a, a huge, huge goal because we, we we know we're not great at home to get that early home win. You know, yeah. if we if we'd ended up with two nil nils or Leeds had gone and won it or something like that. To not to not win our first two home games, having I mean, dominated them both, would have been a real setback. Having well, I mean, of course, so good Leeds, on the road. Leeds last season, it was a replication of of that game, wasn't it? Until we got that goal, yeah, uh, dominating should be winning out of sight, nil nil. That's what it was going to be until that goal went in, and um, I'm glad it was a different outcome. Even yeah, though we, we deserved it. Leeds, Leeds offered really very little. I mean, they one where hmm. a stooping or kind of trying to get back kind of poked it towards the far post and the guy couldn't quite poke it in. And then one that hit, well, there was it Lorente's back that almost went into the corner. Hmm. Um, yeah. But other than that, they didn't really offer anything. But the first, until we scored, they didn't seem that interested in attacking. They just kind of went most of their time being cynical and trying to trip and trying to like, yeah, disrupt play. And 
it didn't really work because we played, we, we never outplayed them. And I think even the fans who were moaning about their, the referee said that we deserved to win. We were a better team. And yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised how close the XG was on match today. It was like only about 0.13 difference or something when. Yeah, I think we really, were funny because looking at better teams. stats is quite misleading because I've looked at stats and they don't really reflect how well we played. The West yeah, Ham yeah. game is a key, key example. I can't remember the exact stats, but. You look at that and you think, oh, that looked like a pretty even game. We we dominated the match. We were pretty comfortable and we looked so at ease. It felt like Champions League level kind of quality in that game, how how much more comfortable we were. Um, it's in what is interesting. I'd like your opinion on this, actually, Peter, from in the stadium. That Danny Welbeck, um, obviously, he's been starting every game. He seems to have resolved his injuries through having that operation, which they they sourced was probably at the root of all of his other problems. They had that operation. He seems to be okay since then. He started all these games. He started the season well. Despite the fact he hasn't scored the goals, he has been at the heart of us getting the goals for those midfielders. One one of the key issues for me was the offside. He runs that line so well. Um, We scored a goal at Man U where he was just millimetres from being offside and it was the correct decision he was also called offside in what would have been a one-on-one uh, wrong decision he was in exactly the same position as when we scored the goal linesman got that wrong um again he, he it was him that received the ball in the build-up to the goal wasn't it that was the debate for the offside there again he was just on he plays that line so well and that's I think a key for us because he does that so well as long as the officials are getting it right we're getting the benefit of that through midfield goals uh, because they, the secondary phase of that attack is then a midfielder joining the attack and, and brushing it into the net, a trossard or a grosh, not a solid march, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> um, would you go along with that? And also uh, another point I'd just throw in as well, chatting to the Man U fans, getting into a load of banter with them about um, uh, well, about Brighton and Man U in general and, and you know, talking different phases of, uh, of chat. Um, one of them was I was talking about the the offside for their goal in the game against Liverpool, and uh, apparently one of them read something from Mike Dean saying that apparently they've that what they're doing with the lines now there has to be a clear divide between the back of one line and the front of the other, and according to that it's actually automated. So he's saying it's not subjective; it's it's objective. There's a machine that's actually going boom, that's on or off according to the way the lines are drawn. How accurate this all is, I don't know, but at least there's a more definitive thing where they're not actually thinking, oh, is that for there or there? It's, you know, the, the system is telling them that's I, not I just assume there's an automatic line that moved back two yards when Rashford or Manny Eichel were involved. Or well, yes, obviously that. Generally involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the line suddenly bends. And moves forward two yards if, uh, if it nice to be involved at the defensively. <laughs> but but. It, it's interesting that they've at least got something a bit more kind of uh, decisive in that regard. I guess that's good. They're trying to to make it more of a factual thing. But, uh, yeah, going back to the point about Welbeck, do you think him running that line so well is going to be massively key to us this season? And can we keep him fit, please? And that's where we need someone, hopefully, to come in before deadline day to hopefully offer the other option because he clearly doesn't quite trust Undad because Welbeck could have come off 15 minutes or so from time on Saturday and didn't. And in the end, it came off of Van Hecker. So, yeah, um, we need that alternative because he, he can't play 90 minutes every game. So True. Yeah. He won't be, won't be quite the same player, whoever yeah. that other cover player would be, though, would it? But someone who can do similar role. I think I think he's right. I mean, I, I've been saying for two or three years, but I don't want to sound like a 
and know it all. I have been saying for years, and we know my views have all, not always been fully supportive of Potter. And my main concern has been we've been very one-dimensional. We just sit, we just build up very slowly. And this year, we've actually got three different options. We've got the long ball to the longer ball to Welbeck, which is key, key to what you're saying. You've got the kind of the, the more running, like Trossard did for the penalty, for example, having actually quick breaks down the line. Or, you know, into in quick attacks and not like stopping. And then you've also got the slower build up that we do as well sometimes. And it's offering us more options and we're scoring more goals because of it because teams are having it harder to deal with teams when they've got more than one option and it's, and it's working really well. Hmm. And yeah, and I think Welbeck is key to that because he is the option that we can go longer to and he holds the ball up well and he can like, and he, and he causes defense problems. He's, he's big, he's big and strong, but he's also quick enough to, Cause defensive issues, you know, like against West Ham. Should have had a penalty against Man U as well if it hadn't been for a. I mean, I don't know what to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was... how much is Potter is involved in in the transfers, for example? So is is he actively involved, or is he just is he basically he's playing within the boundaries of the owners? He's maybe mainly a coach, but I think obviously he's involved in the type of player they go for and that sort of thing. I don't think there must be some involvement, um, but the scouting network is. I think the idea at, at Brighton is that you know if Potter leaves. It won't impact. They'll bring someone in who wants to play a similar style and it it shouldn't. Obviously, it will impact as it stands because he's done a lot of work with these players and he's obviously very good at developing players. But it, the idea is to minimise the, the issues. So, I mean, my biggest worry isn't necessarily that we all you know, sell Casado or sell so-and-so. It's more that people will start targeting our scouts. And that's the bigger worry in the network that we've got. And, you know, we obviously have bought a lot of players in South America. There must be someone sourcing these players or a few people source these players, and that's where my worry becomes more of... We've got tons of scouts in South America, apparently, absolutely tons of them. But, I mean... With another couple of wonder kids of potential future. But, um, yeah, but we we might start to lose our way if we we end up losing a few of those or whatever. But I do think you're right. I think Welbeck's ability to, yeah, to go along the line, and it's not about linesmen doing their job even. They just keep their flag down until the end and then signal Hmm. at the end, and that's... The frustration at United was that he did that for Ronaldo for the one that would have been re-allowed if it hadn't been for the save by, by brilliant save by Sanchez, but he didn't do it for our one. He is really intelligent as well with his, with his running, his movements, his timings. Um, and what he has done, he's also bulked up. There was a, a, a pre-season friendly kind of posed picture where he had his kind of his muscles out. And you think, right, he's, that's obviously strategic, I think, as well. Partly is to keep himself doing something over the summer, kind of good mindfulness sort of thing. But I think it is also probably part of a strategy of his thinking, right, I feel fit. I'm going to have a great pre-season here, hit the ground running. And part of my modus operandi as stipulated by Graham Potter, no doubt, is that he wants, you know, it's going to be a lot of the hold-up play and drawing one to two defenders out of the way. And I think so far, so good on that score. On on your question, though, Emilio, I think the one thing I should mention is that, uh, I've forgotten his first name, Guy McCauley, isn't it, that Graham Potter brought with part, part of his yeah. team, was actually his recruitment guy from, certainly from Swansea, I don't know, from further back as well. Um, he, he pretty much sounded like he insisted he'd come into the equation as well. And we already have Paul Wynn Stanley as head of recruitment. And he's somehow been amalgamated into that team. I don't know what the, the exact day-to-day dynamics are. but So Graham does have his man, who's pro- probably more his, his eyes and ears for, for other talent more than him himself. I guess he's busy doing his stuff. But who, know, who knows exactly? You know, he's probably, I'm sure he has some input into it. But ultimately, I think there's a bigger machine in work, which works mm. independently of and together with him, I would say. Whoever is in charge of it, since Poss has been here, there really hasn't been a, a failure in a transfer market. One or two slight small gambles that we've taken that haven't really paid off and maybe we won't get the money back for, but 
really mm. in, in essence we've we've our recruitment has been superb yeah i mean you've got to look at, i mean obviously there's extreme ends of that i mean kukurea coming for 15 million then going for 55 plus add-ons and then we've got the stooping on in for, so basically we've, we've got half our doubled our money and also got a really good left back potentially speaking of a stupid a stupid um there's another one not the same nationality colombian yeah. striker in the championship you guys might have already seen playing for whole city he scored um i think he'd scored three in his first four games or something like that and he got a hat trick at the weekend in a competition peter and i are in i contemplated having him uh points for goals pick picking sort of thing and of course I didn't pick him and he scored bloody hat trick uh, he's looking good do you know what if we were looking for someone as a backup um again this completely uh makes me a hypocrite because it's about that whole someone hits the ground running and then they get nabbed by someone at the end of the transfer window but I would genuinely well the system is what it is I would genuinely be thinking maybe yeah nab that guy or maybe loan him back until Jan or something but Yes, he's side. I doubt very much they'd sell. I know him. exactly. It's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But he—he he is. Um, I would say probably the most similar type of player to Welbeck that I can think of. Um, that's realistic as a as a option for us. This this guy from Fiorentina seems to be one of the options as well. Who doesn't yeah. have a great goal scoring record? Kukuami, his name is. But he doesn't um, have a good surname. Yeah, we've got, we've got to have a confusing surname. Have two of the same name, and no, they're not brothers. Imagine all the chaos that could be caused. But no, yeah, the yeah, the, um, he looks quite good, doesn't he? The guy you mentioned, Peter. Yeah, he, um, well, he, he sounds like basically okay. he's getting the system in a sense that he doesn't really necessarily score that many, but he yeah. he, he creates chances well, and he did okay mm. in Anderlecht last year, and you know, seems to be rated by them. So we'll see, I think we need, we need someone, we need depth there, and yeah. whether it's and it's obviously not the twenty goal scorer that's like the Potter's been moaning about that we don't. Obviously, no one actually has those except for Kane and Salah and that sort of thing. Yeah, Potter um, was moaning about the, the, the. I think it's. I think he was talking about the press and the pundits actually, yeah. rather than fans. Some people have taken an exception to it, but he was talking about um, the fabled twenty-goal striker, which is just like not even a, a target people should yeah. be aiming for because it's just not, that's just nothing that we're ever going to get, or any club's going to get, unless they're extremely lucky and they won't be around for long if they are. Um, it's you know I mean Mitrovic even you know if he gets twenty that's going to be a fantastic see that would be amazing because um, the the very top strikers don't tend to get much over twenty oh. if at all um, Salah you know <laughs> they got nine goals yeah. you can get any of them for example you know it's, but um, Pascal Grosh is going to get like thirty I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the thing about Welbeck, he isn't going to score many goals. And I'm cool with that, as long as he is creating enough goals for midfielders that we up our scoring rate overall this season. And the guy you're talking about, Peter, what's his name again? Sorry? Kwame, Christian Kwame. Or like oh, so, you know, Christian Kwame. He's, um, he's got a similar strike rate to, to Welbeck's, basically. Um, it's maybe slightly better, but it's, um, it's similar. If he played the same role and carried on doing what Welbeck did, if Welbeck wasn't in the team, I wouldn't really mind that. Um, obviously, we'd like somebody who scores a few more. Um, the irony being more pace goals. I think it was at 10, 8 and 8, his record for us in Premier League goals. Um, you know, we're losing that. He was our top scorer in each of those three years. We've Level lost top last year, wasn't he, I think? Trust yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't mind. If, the, if it helps the system, then I don't really mind too much. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's the toughest part of the pitch to get right, isn't it? The yeah, I mean, we, we we tend to spend more on it, ironically, on defenders in a lot of ways. I think for that reason that it's very hard to get the right one up up top, and you know, you can spend a lot of money. And I mean, we obviously wasted a lot on Lacardia, for example. Spend yeah. a bit on Andoni. We we're going to spend a lot more on Andoni the first season, and then he turned us down. Yeah, so, yeah. 
And the thing is that, that that formula works when things are tick, you know, clicking. But when we went through, we said at the beginning of the show when you had that sort of dodgy spell last season when you went the six or seven games without a win. Or so. so again, you're looking over your shoulders at that point, if I recall, all the messages we were exchanging, Russ. And again, mm-hmm. lack of goals. You know, weren't necessarily getting hammered, but you just couldn't score goals. And you know, those one nil defeats, two one defeats. You know, they were all draw or games you should have won. You weren't converting yeah. your chances. A lot of draws, yeah. You know, so it's it's that work that system works, but it's literally it's, it's a very risky formula. And, it's, and if you haven't got depth there, and if that formula doesn't work, then I still worry about it. if you had more goals in the tank, then top six, top eight would you know it would be a comfortable position for you to finish, but. I just worry, have you got the depth then? You, you can't always rely yeah. on your defence and, and, and goals. I think the depth of quality with the physical numbers we've got is really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. But we are lacking a little bit in numbers now that we sold more pay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there was talk that Van Hecker, who's one of our young lads, who might have been one of the backups needed if necessary, uh, would have been going out. So I think they were talking about Sunderland. But it seems as if he may possibly stay now. Um, but say if he went and we sold Clark to Middlesbrough, who's in a similar boat to Van Hecker, um, we might have been short on numbers. Uh, we do need another striker just purely as a backup, I think. Um, and we probably do need another centre-back anyway, even if we do keep Van Hecker. Uh, so there is a bit of a lack of number depth, but I don't think there's a lack of quality depth. I think our backup guys are really good. I think they're going to get better. Some of them are maybe not quite perfect yet. Um, but we played Forest Green Rovers in midweek, and we very comfortably won 3-0 um, with a bunch of people who essentially haven't played together much at all. Um, one or two who are, oh, in fact, by the end a number of them who were essentially under 18s or under 20 and 23 players. Um, so I do think we've got good strength and depth in terms of the quality, but I do think we need to add numbers to that. And Peter might have something to say about it. I, I think there's a big question marks over a lot of that. I think it's, really? I think Mepu, yes. I think Lalana when he's fit, yes, compared to the weekend team. Um, he's out. what he can do. The but there's a lot of a lot of the rest of it is question marks. You know, people who've been on loan and we're not sure how well they'll adapt. You know, Mitoma, Undav, Ben Hecker, Colwell, who's obviously only not played, looked decent when he came on at the weekend. I thought, but you know, who knows? So it's like not you know no no guarantees with a lot of them, and that's the worry. Steel, yeah. not sure about you know if, if Sanchez had a long spell out, how good Steel would be. You know, mm-hmm. so. I think, you know, we're, I'm reasonably okay. Some of those loanies will come good. Ones who come back from loans will come good and that sort of thing. That's fine. But we're, we're reliant, we're reliant on players who we haven't necessarily had that much experience in Premier League. And obviously you're kind of like, it's a bit of a question mark. We can't, we're relying on not many injuries, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Lalana's out till October, by the way. Uh, yeah. Three able- good games and then he, then he gets injured again, which yeah. is the same story as ever, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's always going to be the way. We, we, we've, I think from the off, we've accepted this is going to be the way it's going to be. You know, he has been very good, but he's, he never lasts the whole game and he, he will he will have these injuries through the season. He's going to be out till October. He wasn't able to start this game, which was actually probably an enforced, although with Fulham obviously mm. coming out tomorrow as we speak, um, he wasn't going to play both of those games as a starter anyway, even if he had right. an injury. Um, but it's a calf strain, I think, isn't it? Um, he's uh, So he's going to be out. He he was the only enforced change, um, or, or change anyway, at the weekend, uh, a stupid name coming in for him. Um, <laughs> but we have also apparently heard that Veltman's got an, a neck injury, which he's feeling, and he probably won't, well, he won't be playing tomorrow night either, Emilio. Um, okay. There's a couple of changes there. Yeah, it's, it's okay. starting to test our depth a little bit, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to say, 
you know, you, you haven't been behind the seasons. I think, you know, again, the, the formula you're playing is if you get your noses in front, then, you know, it's difficult to break you down and you, 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 you play to your strengths. And again, is you know, how do you play traditionally when maybe you go a goal behind and what's your confidence levels being able to sort of get back into the game and try try to win the game? So that's, again, as a neutral, just if you had that more, more attacking strength and maybe you're more threatening up front, then there wouldn't be this hope over reliance and maybe keeping it tight at the back, holding your good possession rates. But again, it goes win prizes at this level. If historically, you're right, we don't often come from behind, especially to win. Mm. We'll get draws, but not necessarily to win because we do struggle to break teams down if they did, unless they're, you know, we, we, we're much happier when teams play the ball around and do what Leeds did. And that's why Leeds, I mean, we, we basically were much happier with what Leeds did. We went longer a bit. We went to, and yeah, teams come like Burnley, we mm. always struggle against generally because yeah. they sit deep and they defend and we don't deal with that well. We can't break them down. And, you know, they're good at set pieces when they were up in the league and they were good at, mm. you know, a good chance they'd nick a goal. They won 3 0 up at the Amex last season, quite going down. And we just can't deal with that sort of thing. We're not, we're not a big enough side or a, a, yeah, a dangerous enough side, really. We haven't got a big enough presence in the box because Welbeck's big enough to, when, when he's probably like the ball's like, you know, behind the defence and they're dealing with him to like hold it up. But he's not, you know, if you're crossing the ball into the box against two, three big centre backs, he struggles a bit. He's not that big. Mm. And no one else really is that. We don't have a lot of tall players. No, and Adam Webster's not quite hitting the mark with his um, his set piece receiving of the ball, is he? Uh, he had one from Pascal Grosh uh, cross, which he didn't quite get. He needed to get a bit more of a glance on that one. It was too f- full of contact. Um, but yeah, we I think we need to make more from. We talk about midfielders getting more goals. I think we do need to see more from our centre backs because Webster and Dunk sh- could and should and in the past have been a threat. Maybe we need to get back to a little bit more from that as well. Um, Pascal Grosh, everything I saw and from things I've heard as well, uh, seemed to be man of the match. Would you go along with that from the weekend, Peter? Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just finally taking a bloody chance and actually scoring. But yeah, for the ball, the brilliant ball through to March and the brilliant cross for Webster. I mean, he could have had two or three assists as well. So I know yeah. real question. I thought McAllister was up there as well. Defended defense was really good. Web, uh, Webster and Dunk played pretty well together, and and Beltman as always until he went off. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, no one played badly. Really, Casado had a good game. Sanchez had a good game. No one really played badly. Stupid had a few problems late on, but it looked really good for an hour. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, Solly had a good game except for the one, one chance he had, and a couple and a couple of ones in the first half where he cut in and actually could have maybe tested the keeper a bit more as well. Hit, hit them straight at him. Um, yeah. But no one really played badly. Welbeck held the ball up well. I think, yeah, it's generally we've been, you know, it's, I think there's been all four league games so far. I wouldn't have said there's been a standout player in terms of a clear man in the match. It's all been quite generally pretty good performances all round. And mm. away from home, especially, we've had like two really good team performances. And so it'll be yeah. interesting what happens tomorrow. We are better away from home generally. And yeah, we're, we're a better team and we seem to, it seems to suit us more. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to say with the, with the man of the match. I mean, I've, I've been giving my own man of the match each game. I, I went, although a lot of people thought Welbeck, I went for Casado for the first game at Man United away. Uh, I went for um, I think it was Dunk for the um, for the Newcastle game, um, and then for West Ham, um, I've gone blank who it was now. Oh, McAllister, uh, Forrest Green went, went for Alzate, and then for this game. I've only seen the high, the extended highlights, but I went for Pascal Grosh. So it sounds like a fair, fairly reasonable choice. Yeah. So he got, it, he got it at the ground as well. 
Yeah. Although, to be fair, when someone scores quite often, they just get it for that. But yeah, true. But in, in a game where we've missed a ton of chances, actually, and someone finally took one, yeah. there is actually a quite good reason to give it to someone for actually scoring a goal. And it's the true ball to Solly, the, the ball in for, for Webster. He was a constant threat. It was good. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. So it's different men of the match per game, which I think is encouraging in one sense. Um, what I also think from those four games is that we deserve to win all four games. Obviously, we, we didn't beat Newcastle. We should have done. That was almost like an exaggerated version of what happened with Leeds, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. In terms of chances. So we're coming into this... If anything, they were more dominant against Newcastle because they didn't really, except yeah. for a 10, 10 minute spell, 5-10 minutes spell in the first half, have a spell. Whereas Leeds did dominate the last 20 minutes or so well, yeah. once we went ahead and yeah. had a better team. Um, so well, obviously, Newcastle never went behind, so didn't have that kind of sort of push. But yeah, we were more dominant. That is true. But coming into this game with me, though, we have been the better side in all four games. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. only conceded one goal, which we kind of didn't concede. We just scored it ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it should have been disallowed. So we should be on a, a zero concession okay. uh, stat at the moment. So things are looking good. We should be up there with Arsenal, in my opinion, from, okay. from the first four games. Mm. So we're, we're wondering what we're going to be up against with Fulham. What we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We'll talk about uh, your game in a bit more detail after the break. And then we can preview the match coming up and see what you think about that. (laughs) So we'll, we'll be back in a moment, folks. Okay, so suitably refreshed, namely I've just got myself another beer. Uh, We can now press on with part two. So as I was saying just at the end of the other part there, Emilio, we've got off to a good start. To be Mm. fair, Man United were terrible. Uh, Leeds were, by all accounts, fairly poor. West Ham were fairly poor. And Newcastle were, they had a good start to the season, but we we overawed them. So we maybe haven't come up against a team at the top of their game, not not on the day anyway. Um, you guys have but had a reasonable start. Just to pick up on that, there's a big comment about teams don't have a good day against us quite regularly, and it's like... Oh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just following the, uh, the punditry line there, Peter. <laughs> At one point, you've got to say, well, actually, we, we work out our play teams and, you know... I thought you'd take the bait. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit of both, actually, I think. I do think uh, we have dictated the play in those games, which is great. You've had a good start as well. Um, I mean, considering just coming back in, it's not easy to get the points early on. You've got five points from four, which <laughs> certainly averages for safety. For, for the very least. Um, you've had some tough games as well, not mm. least the weekend, the Arsenal match, of course, um, which was a, a real toughie because they they've hit the ground running. Um, How has the season been so far? Um, what were your thoughts on the, the game of the weekends? And also, did you go to the game of the weekend, in fact? Um, so you'll talk about the Arsenal. No, I didn't go to the Emirates on Saturday, but the overall, so far, I think so far, so good. I think it's... There's only the only criticism is you know I'm disappointed we haven't got more points on the board to be honest because if we look at Liverpool I thought we gave them a run for their money and another another day might be a bit more tighter in defence and might have nicked the three points but overall you know who could complain getting a two all draw at home your first game back in the Premier League against probably arguably the second best team in Europe last season behind Real Madrid arguably they could argue that Liverpool were the best team and they didn't they didn't perform on the night so two yeah. two good good start good for confidence. You know, I, I I didn't go to the games. I was flying out for my week's holiday that day. But uh, but the week after, we played Wolves away again, a difficult place to go to. And I know they've they've struggled with 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 the transfer transfer you know with transfer this season. And uh, you know, disappointed we didn't get three points. Mitrovic missed a penalty with about ten minutes to go. Had that gone in, two more points on the board. So 
happy with the point, but disappointed, you know, that we it didn't, you've got to take those chances as far as I'm concerned. Those moments in the Premier League, you may get it deserve, you know, deservedly or not deservedly. But either way, if you get those moments of fortune or those moments of a set piece like a penalty, you've got to convert them. You know, I think that's what we did do last season. We did manage to get that in a few games. We weren't yeah. playing particularly well at Saints away, West Ham away, mm. uh, Palace away. Uh, we mentioned Morpé got equalised mm. in those games um, and other matches besides. There were games we should have won and didn't. It's it's always going to be that way, isn't it? You will drop frustrating exactly. points. Exactly. And then get three points. Um, Liverpool, superb start to the season. That's a game where anyone that you consider rivals around you, wherever that might be in the table, are going to struggle to get that result later in yeah, the season. Exactly. Bonus point, those, those are the games that won't define our season, but good mm. for confidence. They're bonus points as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. similar with Brent, they take the Brentford game. You know, they thrashed Man United 4-0. They came with their heads up, you know, yeah. very arrogant, thought they were going to come and you know, <laughs> come and dominate us. And to be honest, we were deservedly 2-0 up in the first half. And they got a goal right just before half time, a good moment for them. It changed the dressing room talk. And, and in their defence, they were the better team second half. You know, they, you could argue they deservedly got an equaliser, but you still felt there was going to be another goal in us. I think we, we were creating chances. We had some near misses. Their keeper made some good saves. And, you know, Mitrovic took his goal well at the, you know, in the end of the game to win that game. And overall, I thought over 90 minutes, we deserved to win that game. But great advert for the Premier League. Good for the neutrals. Goals, you know, and, you know, overall, we beat a, a good Brentford team who were on a high thrashing Man United the week before. And then yeah. Arsenal on Saturday... You know, Arsenal, you'd expect that their, 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 their heads are up, top of the table. You know, this is probably this was probably their hardest game. I think all the Arsenal fans are saying, well, the four they've played, we gave them the biggest run for their money. And you know, on another day again, Mitrovic done well to to take the ball off their defender. Good finish, you know. And then I thought, can we hold on for another 30, 35 minutes? It was felt like if the goal came later, more chance to win. But Arsenal deservedly equalised, and their goal was a bit scrappy at the end. You know, again it. Mm-hmm. Some of those go in, some of them don't go in. It's just a bit like we didn't have luck on our side, but then Ramsdale made a, a, a cracking save deep in, in injury time. So again, it, that should in another day that should have finished two two, and I would have been well well satisfied with a two all draw and a point at the Emirates. Yeah. But some games you win, some games you don't. But you look at those four performances. Our worst performance probably Wolves away, when arguably we should have won with a penalty, and Liverpool Arsenal, but both gave those top teams a run for their money. In Brentford, we deserve to win, so we're on a high, but. I say only five points. I would have taken five points of the season. Yeah. On reflection, those pictures, yeah, yeah, could have been a exactly. couple more on the board, still three. And they only really just only just beat you, Arsenal, and yeah. again, it could have been a, another draw. And then you've got another great bonus point there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, the fact that that was the toughest game they'd had, uh, they say that's um, that's testament to it. The mm-hmm. fact that you've played them when they're in form and nearly got a result. The fact yeah. you played Brentford when they're on a a degree of form and you did get the result. Exactly. Uh, Slightly worrying. We're on form. <laughs> oh, no. What's yeah, and, it's, um, and that's why I think if we can get our noses in front tomorrow, I think, you know, then it would be good to see how, what you're made of, you know, because the first time we fell behind this season, the league was against Arsenal in the 88th minute or 87th minute. You haven't fallen behind this season at the moment. So, again, it would be good to see how if we can get our noses in front, get that early goal. How will you respond to that? So, I think I, it's going to be a very tight game, you know. You, you know, both our defence has played particularly well. Some of our new signings haven't had a look in. You know, Duffy's come in. I think he was, he's he'll add good depth to our squad. You know, I thought it, sooner or later he will probably start some games. You know, we've got Diop from West Ham. We've paid, what, 15 million for him. He had a shocker last week in the Carabao Cup, but that was his first game. So I don't read too much into that. But 
Yeah, he'll come into the squad at some point. And you know, Leno and goalkeeper is 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 strengthening our squad. He's better than what we had before. And you know, I still see a couple more signings this week. I still see another striker, another wide player, and potentially another left back as well from PSG that we've been linked with. So I don't think our transfer window is is finished yet. But for tomorrow's game, I think we're not going to see too dissimilar team that with that started against Arsenal on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I mean, Peter, I don't know about you, but of that game, the um, the Brentford match, um, I, I was really intrigued by that game. I was entertained by it as well. Not for the fact that it was a high-scoring local derby, but although that was great, obviously. But um, but just to see how those teams would go up against each other, because I'm intrigued with how Fulham will do this season, having had the experience before, and you were talking about the Norwich and Fulham thing of up and down, up and down. Um, at some point, I think that can work well, and you, this is probably going to be that season where I, I mm. suspect you're going to survive, I think, for sure. Maybe more, maybe more. Um but I wanted to see how they would go against Brentford because Brentford were, as you said to me there, they were brimming with confidence from a four nil against Man United. Uh, you know, been be there, done that. But anyway, that, <laughs> um, but, they no, had arrogance as well, though. They came in, you know, even I don't know if you saw Ivan Tony's celebration with his goal, mocking Mitrovic's yeah. celebration. I said, well, yeah. you know, I saw that from the other end of the pitch. I said, you're going to, I hope you're going to pay for that. that. Yeah, yeah. The man of no. crap he got back in return. And actually. You can't have that level of attitude in the division. Yeah, you know, no one, no one can afford to be arrogant. As soon as you're arrogant, you get your your, yeah. um, your wings clipped, don't you? It's, exactly. It's, so I was interested to know how that game was going to go. And obviously the Brentford, the second season, has mm. been drone element. How's that going to yeah. be? Uh, early stages. And Fulham, how are you going to cope in these sort of games? Because mm. those are the kind of games you want to get something from, yeah. at the least. And if possible... Snatched the whole lot, and it was it was a home game, wasn't it? I think for you guys, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. the home one, you want to get the three points, and that was interesting. The the Arsenal game, I haven't even seen match of the day yet, so I haven't seen anything of your match at all, to be honest. Right. Um, you've told us a bit about the match, um, in t- the way you set up and the way the game went. D- did you deserve the lead? Uh, how well did you play overall, and what what sort of system have have you been playing both in that game and in general? Can you tell us a bit yeah. more? Typically playing a four-two-three-one system, and I thought against Arsenal, you know, you know, a big stadium, full house, you know, they they were coming at us. You know, first half it was it was pretty much all Arsenal, but they struggled. You know, our keeper made some decent saves. Um, our defence looked quite solid, organised, and you know, we didn't get much away to be honest. I think we went into half time nil-nil, a bit fortuitous, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're not taking your chances and you're reasonably in control defensively, then you know, they were make, we were making it difficult for us. And I thought as the game wore on. A goal, a chance or two was going to come our way, and, and you know, at the end of the day, you when you see it on, on on playback, you know, their defender trying to play out of defence got caught out. Mitrovic snatched the ball from him in the in the penalty area, and then turned turned him around and, and side footed the ball past the keeper. Again, a confident finish there. And maybe two years ago, if he had that chance, he would be more overweight, and maybe that would be able to scuffed it or maybe taken a touch too more. But when you have confidence. You only see one thing. You only see, you know, scoring. You know, see that's the only thing you can do. And he hit the target and a great finish. And problem is, we had half an hour or so still to to hold on. And you know, Arsenal were going to get chances. And you know, on the whole, I think Arsenal deserved to win. You know, on a balance of play. But you know, on that another day, their keeper didn't make that top class save. Aaron Ramsdale at the end that would have been two two. And you know, you could have argued nobody would have nobody would have how was it complained about Fulham getting that draw. We would have got a lot more plaudits. But equally, we've still got a lot of respect from the, the press. That's the difference this year. I think we're getting four games, good respect from the press, but it's points that win prizes, as I mentioned earlier. So it's uh, I'd like to see those performances continue. And 
and picking up points against teams that we're more likely to beat. You know, no disrespect to yourselves, but you know, I've seen this was a game I did mark three points on the board. It's a home game in, in in August. You've got to win those games if you want to have a chance in this division to stay up. And on the face of it, I mean, yeah. I think uh, any home game against any of the the big non big six teams, yeah. Probably counts that. The irony is with us, you've probably got more chance at the Amex, to be honest. Okay. We're the yeah. opposite. We, we don't, we're, we're, we're much better away. And it's ironic because, yeah, at home, we're, our, our record is up and down, to say the least. And we, yeah, we didn't win a home game between mm. Boxing Day last year and beating United at the end of April. Um, yeah. And we both away, we've had yeah. like the fifth best away record or third best away record in the league or something like last season. And we also have the break as well. We've got pace in our team as well. So, again, maybe to your point, Peter, you know, if you're going to sit back and absorb pressure, you know, if we can catch you on the break, you know, we will maybe pose a few more problems. And yeah. tomorrow it's going to be, it's going to be a cagey game tomorrow, but you know, I, I, I take confidence in the fact that we're scoring goals. Yeah. We're conceding, but two against Liverpool and two against Brentford, I don't think is the end of the world to yeah. be honest and two against Arsenal. But so we have conceded a few goals there. So that's, that's a slight negative, but we've brought some strength in that defense. They will, they will start more games imminently. We're, Going to have a depth in the squad so we can sort of see some rotation as well, which is, I think is going to be key to staying that up. That's been your big problem each season, hasn't it? With you know, the defence and the number yeah. of goals you've conceded. Yeah. Been a big, big issue. Although, ironically, we drew 0 0 both games last yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. And the ironic thing is that year, two really years good. ago, it was Parker's style of football. We you know it was not, yeah. I, we weren't necessarily getting hammered week in, week out that season. We just weren't scoring, weren't creating, and we weren't scoring. And, you know, at the end of the day, nine league goals at home. All season, told a sorry story. That's the reason why we yeah. went down two years ago. We are, we are very good in London. London in particular, this you've probably seen the stats. We were <laughs> in London last season. I think it was six clubs, wasn't it, last season in the Premier League from London? And um, obviously, we got the wins at Arsenal and Spurs and Watford too, as well. And, yeah. and Watford as well. If you, you nobody can't count London. London, but if we if we it broadens the debate, we could we could throw that in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very good. I say both in terms of away versus home. I'd be more confident for us in this game than the, than the Amex match okay. um, of getting three points. I mean, um, but our record in London has been brilliant. I don't think any other team has been unbeaten in London mm-hmm. in period or there's, there's some stats anyway. It's about the start it. of last season, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, however, those things do come to an end. I did say that before the West Ham game, though, as well. I should warn you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it'll be an entertaining game. It'll be quite an open game, probably. Um, I think there will be goals. I'm, I've predicted the correct score in most of the matches this season, the exception being West Ham. Um, I'm going to go for a tool in this game. Okay. Honestly, anything can happen. I, I do agree with you that you should be looking to get wins against any of the teams outside of the very obvious mm. big sides. Um, well, you, even Liverpool, you were saying you, you could have won against the same. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, you look three points in every game, but I mean, in terms of um, reality, uh, most of the time, uh, we're talking about anyone outside the top five or six big mm. clubs. So, yeah, you should, be, you should be looking for three points, definitely. And you might get them. Um, it's just going to be a really hard one to predict. But I do think it'll be an entertaining game. Um, who, who do we need to look out for? And par- apart from what we already know, obviously Mitrovic, we know about Tom Kearney from before, um, who, who can score from range. He could be dangerous. Um, obviously, you've lost Carvalho, which would put a bit of blow. So yeah. Um, you've got other players you've brought in. Uh, Pereira, we've mentioned. Pereira, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the key uh, key play for us. You know, if you can, you know, Harry Wilson, you know, who unfortunately oh, yeah. been pre-season, so. Now he's he'll be out for another few weeks, you know, from what I'm from what I understand. So it'd be a good six weeks before he's back up and running and fully fit. So yeah, he's a blow. So again, lacking some width there. 
We had the other guy, Salomon, the Israeli international, Shaktaneski, picked up a meniscus tear against Liverpool coming on as a sub. So he's out for several months. So we, wide men were a little bit short. So, but Pereira's, you know, from set pieces, very encouraging what I've seen from corners, from free kicks. He's, he's, he's going to be there or thereabouts. So if he can keep his head down and do the normal rather than do the, trying to do the fancy stuff, then I think, you know, we'll, we'll, he's a, probably the player you need to be worrying about. Bobby Reed, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's a, He's a top class player, but you know he he, he does a job. You know he, he's a nuisance in defence. He, he he will get around your defence. He finds a knack of scoring goals in in the six yard box. So he's very versatile. So I think he will add some some wits. Not necessarily flair, but he will add, he'll be a bit of a nuisance. Him and Mitrovic know each other well. And you know it's a matter, the key thing is can we keep it tight in defence? That's the thing. If we can keep it our defence tight, you know snub out the likes of Pascal Gross and Trossard, who you know who your key as far as I'm concerned, your key men there. You know, I've had no worries about Welbeck. I know probably I've never rated Welbeck. You, you guys see him week in, week out. I'm just thinking it's again, strike rates, not, not enough to be a, a striker. But if he's contributed to the goals and inviting those players to get involved and created chances, then that's the formula that you guys are playing against. If that doesn't work, then I think we should. Famous last words I'm hoping that we can you know, stuff him out and keep him, keep him, keep him quiet. And then that's where, where Paulinho's good, good signing are. Central defensive midfielder. I think he's he's had a great start to the season. But for me, the player to worry about, if I was you, is probably is probably um, Pereira. To be honest, yeah, a lot, a lot will depend on how mobile your defence is because we because yeah. Welbeck is you know getting in behind. As Russ was saying, he's very good at playing the line and getting in behind and mm-hmm. either kind of get it going in on goal and crossing or you know winning free kicks. And that's where we he's caused problems this year. And yeah, if you don't have that mobile back line, I mean United couldn't deal with him. Martinez and Maguire between them couldn't deal with them at all and they just yeah they struggled all game and Martinez should have given away a penalty as well as like the, the okay. yeah. set up and um, and West Ham couldn't deal with him either and that gave away actually gave away a penalty and you know so mm. it's, it is he is yes I agree his goal scoring record over the years has not been good enough but he's been a very important part of mm. our system this year that's obviously worked really well with us so far after four games and he yeah he he, he doesn't he hasn't really had a chance. He's missed one chance at Old Trafford, mm-hmm. and which he probably should have hit the target with. But other than that, he's not really had what I would call a guilt edge chance, really. Mm-hmm. But he he he's a big part of our system, and he's pretty undroppable at the moment. Okay, and I said Tim Ream in our defence. Then he's thirty five. We extended him for another year, just more for giving giving the dressing room some motivation. And he's a good 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 captain, a good leader. Someone good down in the dressing room. But the fact that he's Defied his critics, you know. He's fact he started every game this season. He's actually probably been our best defender, arguably speaking. So it's, it'll be harsh to to uh, to drop him, to be honest. But it'll come a point where you know fixtures will too many games. He'll start to get tired, start to make mistakes, and then you've got likes of Duffy will probably, like I said, will figure in some games. You know, and Diop will at some point once he gets confidence in the you know, in the reserves, he'll probably start. He'll start very soon as well. We've paid fifteen million for him. You know, he's not going to be sitting on the bench. To be honest, he he will be starting very very soon, in my opinion. So don't be surprised. We might see a change tomorrow. You never well, know. Well, we we might the same as well with three games in a week, and we might have one mm. or two. You know, Wepu might come in from the start, who hasn't started yet this season in the league, and and one or two others might even come in. Feldman's out. Colwell might come in from the start, possibly. We might um, see a change tomorrow. So then we've got you know the games are coming in thick and fast. You know, we've got Tottenham yeah. away on Saturday and Chelsea at home. The following Saturday, so again, it's no disrespect to Brighton. The next three games, this is a game you've got to you've got to go and get three points. Here. Yeah. So, Ironically, um, though, I mean, I could easily, without wanting to big us up, 
see us being a harder game than Chelsea home, given how <laughs> given yeah. how inconsistent yeah. they are and how you know they can be awful generally. They were they were they were, you know they weren't that great against Leicester. They were terrible at Leeds, and yeah, you know, we, we are We've got the, a shocking um, record at home to Chelsea or any game against Chelsea, home or away. Our record against them is appalling, to be honest. So it's, uh, but those again, again, bonus points. If we can get something from those two finals, yeah. those October, November games and some September games, they're the games that will define our season. Those, um, yeah, I mean, those, those games, you never know where the, the points are going to come from. Yeah. It's interesting the way that the, the angles work. You've had some tough matches already this season. You will be looking at that match as, as a three-pointer, uh, sort of like a three-point, you're looking for the three mm. points. But it really is difficult to know where, yeah. where that's going to be. You might, you might be as easily. We don't know. It, yeah. You know. But the, the, the thick and fast element is the key one because, again, we're still feeling the effects of recent history, aren't we? The COVID stuff, then we had the mm. World Cup stuff. There's been, there hasn't been a properly settled calendar for some time. You're right. You're We've right. got it again for a different reason now, but with the World Cup. Mm. And that's partly why I think this, this program of games is going to be difficult. It does obviously favour the clubs with the bigger squads. Um, so you can say Chelsea should uh, be stronger against mm. you in theory because of that. But um, uh, yeah. it's difficult, difficult to know, isn't it? Yeah. And the Arsenal game on Saturday was always. My, you know, I, I predicted Hart was saying one one. I thought we'd probably lose probably two one, and you know, don't, you know, don't always like to be proved right. But for me, that manner of the performance and the fact that we didn't, our heads didn't drop, we didn't get annihilated by the, the informed team in the division at the at the time, and you know, we gave them a run for their money. So that's very encouraging. But those that confidence will start to drop if we lose tomorrow. Well, you know, whether we have a bad performance and lose, and then you've got two tough games against yeah. two of the best teams in the country, then. That that suddenly five four points well five points from four games could easily become five points from seven games and suddenly yeah. you're looking down rather than looking up so it's a very fine line here to be honest so it's, if we can get the win tomorrow it settles the nerves we can go to Tottenham and Chelsea with a bit more confidence but again it's all about performances if you, you know don't get hammered make it difficult create chances we will look to win games that's the, the nature of the way we play and uh, you know then you know I think Brighton will be in for a game I think it's going to be I think it will be tight but. I'm not sure there'll be many goals in the game, to be honest. Maybe I'll, it might be the high score, a 3-3 draw. Who knows? But traditionally, like I said, two years ago, it was two nil-nil draws, both very tight games. Um, and I think we almost won at your ground, I think, right at the death, didn't we? I think we had well, on the, off the line, wasn't there, right oh, at yes. the end? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. deserved to win that game. I remember at your ground, was at our ground, it was a bore draw, to be honest. It was a December, yeah. cold December night. It was a very, very poor performance of both teams. Yeah, because we only just we went, we went a long time at home without winning uh, that exactly. season and kind of had a long run as we did last season as well. Yeah. And even then away, we were much better that season as well. So I think it is because teams you know, do come and sit deep, you know, more. There aren't that many who probably will do that so much this season, which might mm. suit us. You know, teams like Leeds and Newcastle so far have had a real go against us. They're not like, mm. well, they've not been, they've not played well, but they've not sat back and deep and that sort of thing. Whereas like, yeah, it really doesn't suit us when teams do that, which is probably why we're better away from home. And Okay. Go back slightly further. The um the, the championship promotion season for us, twenty sixteen seventeen, we ripped you off home and away. Yeah. You were far the better team in both. Especially teams. away. I, yeah. I was kind of almost like cringing, thinking, "Oh, this, this, <laughs> this really feels wrong." Celebrating a win here. Do you know what the overall head to head record is? I haven't done one of these for a while, actually. So no, it's, in recent history, it's not been particularly great. For I remember, we know we look. Some of those defeats at home, we lost, I think, in August in the yeah. Premier League. We lost 2-1 at Christmas time, I think, another time, Christmas, New Year, home. I think that's the game you're referring to, Russ. 
Yeah. Although that fall too, that springs to mind where well, that was we talked off. I remember around. you guys yeah. winning at the Amex, I think, when you were first down in the championship. Darren Bent. Darren Bent, yeah, scored yeah. and then started winding up uh, winding up your fans and then uh, you came <laughs> back and won after that. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. A lot of racist abuse, unfortunately, that, that day, which I reported. Really? But oh, yeah, I really got okay. race. Yeah, which wasn't wasn't acceptable as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, but that's you know I was there that I was there that game. In, what was it? 2015? Was it 2014? 15? 15, I think, probably. Yeah, a long time ago now. But uh, yeah, so I don't think our record in recent years isn't particularly good. the only one that springs to mind is, is in the Premier League is that the four two win. Yeah, we haven't seen you in the Premier League in the three, in the four games. That's interesting, okay. actually. Yeah, interesting that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for that, Peter. Cheers. Horrendous. Oh, we talked about it off air. We were teaming up in coasting in the first half. As Peter said, we scored very early in the second half and it just set the ball in motion for a, mm. a horrendous second half. The weather wasn't the most atrocious. No, it's sleeping, isn't it? But it's sleeping a bit. Yeah. yeah. We won four two. Uh, I remember a friend of the show, Raymond, left at half-time, and that was probably the, the greatest move by any uh, Albion fan all season, I think. The Albion team left at half-time as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, they did, yeah. <laughs> but that was that was dreadful. But, um, but that was probably the beginning of the end for uh, for Chris Hewton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we only yeah. won two league games, I think, after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. Anyway, the head-to-head record is very, very tight. You, you're edging it. Uh, okay. He won 23, we won 22, and there's wow. only been seven draws altogether in the history of our Three out of the last four as well as those. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Two of them in the last two years ago. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I remember the, remember the 2-2 two, two at the Amex you know, a few seasons back when we were 2-0 up. We should have won that game. And uh, so, yeah. interesting. So, again... Well, in the interest of symmetry, you've got to let us win it. So, it's a complete... <laughs> it's, uh, even, even oh, spread. <laughs> it's, uh, but, you know, in, you know, you'll see... What would be? What's your fans' expect? What's your fans' views of of Fulham? You know, they're expecting a tough game. Are, you know, you're impressed, and what's yeah, the... I'm I'm impressed. I think I think they'll survive this season. I, they might run it close, but I think they'll survive because I think Bournemouth will go down. I really think um, Wolves, Everton, uh, one or two other clubs like that. Leicester are looking not looking Leicester great. Even. Leicester could be. I mean, no one's talked about them yet, but. Um, maybe in Leicester they have, but not. I don't know why though, because they've they've had an awful start and they're about to lose Fafana. There's no suggestion they're looking to bring in one or two players. Hardy um, seems to have gone past his peak. Um, yeah. I've got another no year, keeper with Schmeichel out. The I mean, Ward doesn't look that great when they when I've seen it, him in. It's a days, brutal so. division. It really is. Mm. And Southampton, you know, up and down. And if they if they stay up this year, yeah. I think is it Madison and Tillmans and one or two others are out of contract next season as well. So they could lose them on free transfers. Vardy's. Probably get to the point where, if you're getting past it now, I think there's enough teams that look like they might struggle to some degree that might take points off each other as yeah. well. That you, if you get if you if you get your ducks in a row, I think you can do it. I think you'll be you, fine. You can't count out Forest as well. I mean, they've, yeah, they've got okay. so many players; it's going to take it's them much, a, a lot of quite change. a while to Villa, Villa, yeah. Southampton, Leeds. You know, these are all teams. Yeah. I think they'll be there. Everton. All... Yes, I think Leeds. Leeds is start. I mean, they did they. they they got three points against Chelsea, who were awful and basically gifted them the game. They they beat they they failed to beat Southampton, who weren't that great, and they and they beat Wolves, who were pretty poor. So we should have beaten them more easily. Yeah, and and they tend to burn out as the season wears yeah. on. So they yeah, play very lot. high intensity. It's not Bielsa, but it's still high intensity. Um, yeah, I think they could they could struggle as the season goes on. We'd be so gutted, wouldn't we, Peter? Because I know you were enjoying the uh, the company of Leeds fans on the way back <laughs> to the station, weren't you? Was it you that was telling us? Or no, I, I I didn't speak to them ever. I just. I heard, yeah. I heard yeah. like stories of them behaving 
in their normal uh, charming way anyway. Richard, that <laughs> we're hoping to have join us today, an Albion fan, it's, it's his brother actually, uh, Simon, I don't know if you've ever met him, Emilio, He's, uh, he, he was at the station, he said they were starting on the, the police who were trying to oh, enforce really? the system to get onto the trains. Uh, people talk about how our ground and fans were shit, both of which I think might be inaccurate <laughs> remarks, but uh, hey. given that we put on a good show, I think, fan, vocal-wise, didn't we, in that mm. match? Um, and, um, yeah, just bad loser stuff by the sounds of it. You know, I, know, I don't want you guys to always do well. Independently, I do, you know, I do follow your team. You know, my wife's from, from, you know, from that part of the neck of the woods, so you get a bit of rivalry tomorrow. She's not into football, but she clearly she's going to be wishing the Albion to win tomorrow, so there'll be a... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but, uh, pleased to see you guys do well. And I always want to make sure you stay in the Premier League as a, as a neutral. You know, I always, I always keep a lookout for your, your results, your performances. Mm. Yeah, if I'm honest, I was a little bit concerned for us pre-season, given the fact we sold Basuma and Kukurea and that sort of mm. thing. But we've, I mean, we, if anything, we look better without them, which is, you know, <laughs> ironic. I, I think yeah. whatever it was, whether Basuma slowed the game a bit more or whether they've just found a really good way around it, it's... The, the mm-hmm. midfield works a lot better now. McAllister deeper and Casado ahead of him, and and okay. yeah, Grosh getting further forward. Grosh, for most of Potter's time in charge, hasn't been played in the right position to really mean do much. And for two and a half years, he didn't really have a huge impact on the Potter. He's playing his best football now. Yeah, and now he's he looks as, you know the, the player we signed basically about a couple four years off, and the fans have written him off. You know, you never know. Yeah. Um, what I do think is, this season so far, if you've got enough right, if you've got enough components right. You can lose players. Southampton did it for a while. You mm-hmm. can lose players and actually not be affected at all. The problem is how um, yeah, it keeps happening and you get like yeah. two or three a summer every summer. Exactly. Not getting that balance right. And that's why I think the Casado thing, we just should dismiss that out of hand. Game oh, right? I think we have. And there's no way we're going to sell Casado. No, yeah. one, no one is going to offer enough money to, mm. for a player who's got 12, 13 Premier League games. Yeah, Graham Potter was asked, oh, um, he, he was said, oh, uh, there's been suggestions people making bids for 42 Mill and he goes well. I think I might just about pay for his boots, um, <laughs> knowing our chairman. He said, <laughs> "Thought it was a great quote because yeah, say will go will go for more than Kuka, significantly more than Kukurea yeah. eventually. Whether it's next summer or the summer after. The big, the one, the interesting thing that I, someone I read someone was saying the other day was that Ecuador are due to play England if if the seedings are hit in a quarter in the second round of the World Cup. And if he has a good game there, then that would. That would well, that's really perfect because either England go to a later stage, or we get we, and we get our players back, or we see uh, our players go on and do fantastic stuff. Yeah, I know we got we, yeah, we, a good we, game. Okay, yeah, that will, that will get him. But the rest that element, you know, yeah. The funniest thing is that you know United he, he bossed the midfield against United with a fifty million pound Fred in there, and he cost five million. United turned it down because it was too much admin to to process the move, <laughs> or there was some sort of issue with it. Yeah. And they turned it down when they were in for him, and we got him for five million instead. And he looks, I mean, his, his record in the team, he's only lost once, and that was at Man City in like 12, 13 games. Well, final thing then, really, Emilio, and um, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, qu- a couple of quick questions as well, just to finish off. Um, sure. I don't know if you do predictions on results. <laughs> Give us one of those if you, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but also, how do you feel about your team yourself in terms of your hunch, your genuine hunch, Heart aside, genuine hunch, how do you think you're going to do? And, and also, do you feel that this is a stronger Fulham team? I, I know you're going to say that the coaches are better, better equipped than mm. Scott Parker, and I agree with you. But in terms of the actual squad, do you think they, does it feel like a stronger squad as well? Um, I think there's more belief in the squad. I wouldn't say I've, you know, I've, you know, I've said it many times. Two years ago, I thought that squad was good enough to stay up. The squad of some good good signings. We had some good international players. 
there was quality there, but you know the, the, the players didn't fit the system that Parker wanted to play. And to be honest, if we had that level of depth now under this manager, I think we would we would have stayed up two years ago. You know, I still I, I'm more confident this year than I was two years ago, even before preseason. I said, you know, we've we're a bit slow with the, with the signings and transfer. I'd like to have seen a few more finalised before the end of the transfer. There will be more signings for sure because we're still lacking a bit of depth there. But you know, I still haven't changed my view. I think we will we will stay up. Albeit, I don't think maybe as long as you say finish fourth and bottom, I'm okay with that. It's not about it's not about the finishing high in the league. Stay in the division this year, defy our critics, and then we can start to push on next year again. But this squad, I think, has got more belief. There's more confidence. It's a better style of and brand of football, and I think we're more we're more likely to win games, especially against the teams around us. Parker two years ago, you know, did better arguably against the better teams, against the top six teams, than he did against the teams around him. That, that those are luxury points for me. I keep saying, win your home games against teams around you, and try to keep try to get something away from home against those games, and we will stay up. But mm. you know, it's I think there's eight teams, eight nine teams are all going to be in that sort of mix, which I think everyone's going to be beating each other. You can beat Wolves one week, but then lose to Bournemouth the next. It's going to be that type of inconsistency. But home form will determine whether we stay up this season or not. And you know, I think we will win tomorrow. I think we will give you a bit of a run for your money and. You know, hopefully, my predictions. I'm going for two one. I'm still going to stick my neck out. I still think we, we're capable of beating you, but again, depends what teams we both come out on the pitch. Again, it's only ninety minutes, but there's enough to suggest we've got more belief, more confidence, more quality to some extent, and a style of football that you know the team are capable of winning games. Unlike two years ago, when it was all about not losing games. Here, I think it's all about we can go out and win games from the off and get at you from the from the from the first whistle. Yeah, well, um, I think I think you're right. Those games against uh, those six pointers, so to speak, yeah, yeah. are crucial because if you're not winning that, if especially if you're losing those, mm. those points are going to the opposition in exactly, exactly the same uh, remit that, you, that they're hoping to do, which is to win the games against their other teams. And mm. you know, it's, it's harder to pull that back, isn't it? If you've got your bonus points. Um, that's you're having to do those just to stay level again. Then exactly, exactly. So, so you're right about that. I, I think you'll stay up, as I said tomorrow. I, I think I've already said I'll go for a tool draw, mm-hmm. um, but I do think you'll survive for the season. Uh, Peter, what do you think? I was going to say one all. I'm not sure there'll be as so many goals as you're thinking, but I think a draw is a. I'd, I'd actually take a draw given our our form okay. so far as well. I'd be reasonably happy to draw. Hopefully, then beat Leicester at the weekend, and that's like kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We will wait and see. Um, just for, for anyone listening who, who likes the, the, the bit about Worthing, uh, my hometown team, Peter's adopted now as his second team as well. They got a, a one-all draw in the Sussex derby today, one-all at home to Eastbourne Borough. They were losing. Uh, a bit okay. disappointing. They've drawn all three home games and won all three away games. <laughs> so they started the season well in, in the highest ever division they've been in. Yeah, they're going to be cursed because at the week when we're going out the weekend, it's going to be like they're going to end that record away from home. <laughs> yeah, which is this weekend coming. St Albans uh, on the Saturday. Quickly mentioned the Sunday game is still at two o'clock on Sunday against Leicester, but it is now on TV. Um, mm. So there's, there's that to chuck into the equation. Um, I don't know if there's any other Albion news or any other stuff you want to talk about quickly, Peter. No, or... I think we'll probably have a better idea. We've got another another pod in two days anyway, haven't we? So yeah. which we'll is a better idea of, of hopefully any late late signings or whatever, or because it's the yeah. Thursday deadline day, isn't it? So we'll yeah. have a... One We're going to be a day more, early, unfortunately, with that. One or two close pretty... rumours coming up, at least, or things that are actually are close anyway. Exactly, but we'll we'll have a review on that. Uh, you're welcome. If you about a striker, we're going to loan out anyway after signing. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll <laughs> sign loads and loan them all out. Yeah, that's what we do. Seems to be our way of doing. Things. 
Yeah, exactly. So, Emilio, thank you very much for joining us. We'll, we'll have you back on. We'd love, love to get you back on. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nice, nice to see you, Peter. And uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you tomorrow. If it's, not, if it's just a shame it's a midweek game. If it was a weekend, it would have been a lot easier. Uh, go a few, drink, few drinks after the game. But yeah, I'll see if I can get there a little bit early tomorrow. Uh, yeah, OK. We'll have a very brief chat off air in, in a second about that. But um, either way round, good luck for the whole of the season. And We'll, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. But, um, okay, perfect. In the meantime, we'll sign out for this one. In the usual way, Peter, by saying, stand or fall. Up the Albion. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.